0: this message is brought to you by living faith church you can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com luke chapter 19 and verse 10 i didn't give this to donna but i just want to talk about it jesus came to seek and save those who were lost jesus came to seek and save those who were lost i don't know about you but the thing about it is there's been times in my life where i've been lost there was a time in my life where I was seriously lost until I met Jesus. Amen. But in that space, you come to meet him. And in that space, he introduces himself to you. And in that space, you begin to recognize as you walk through life with him, that the fact that there is the fact that there are aspects to who you are that are still out there that are lost. And he's sitting there and he, the invitation that he always extends to us is to sit and say, come bring it over here. I came to seek and save it. I came to seek and save it. The importance for me and the principle that that I really want to underscore with this is the fact that if you're human today, you're in the same boat as everybody else. Your challenges might be different and the things that you face in life may be different to one another. But the fact of the matter is we were all lost at some point. And it's for that lost and brokenness that Jesus came. It becomes important for us because it's very easy once we get into a traditional environment, particularly a religious religious one, not saying we are, but we end up as people who are judgmental. We criticize people for being broken and lost. And Jesus said, what are you doing? I'm here to heal. I came to seek and save. That's who I'm after. And so it's really important for us. And what I want to talk about today is it's important it's important for me at the very outset that we can give definition and recognize the difference between a principle for life and an individual's journey. Everybody's on a journey. And even if you're born again, I can tell you now you're on a journey until you reach that pace of the final destination. We're on a journey and stuff is happening in our life. The thing about it is, In that space, we love one another, we encourage one another. You're going to come face to face with people who are different to you, people who are broken, people who believe some stuff that you might think, you know what, that's just so horrible and it's so weird and it's so wrong, but they're on a journey and Jesus loves them on their journey. But the fact of the matter is in the space, we have to come to a place where we also recognize the fact that there is an invitation extended to everyone. And the invitation extended to people is to come to him to be be sought after and to be saved. There is something that he offers every person that is so important. We live in a society right at the moment where people don't like opinions and views that are different to theirs. And so you'll get an ugly label if you go down that road. It's a really strange idea to me because the fact of the matter is words don't hurt you. Ideas shouldn't be threatening. The fact of the matter is it presents you with an opportunity to consider a different way of doing things. If you don't like it, it's no commitment. Walk away. You have choice. But for us to close down what other people think is a move by the evil one to muzzle the church. Really what Satan's trying to do is, he's not really interested in other opinions. What he's really saying is, I don't want to hear anything that you have to say about Jesus and seeking and saving the lost. And anytime you present an idea that may extend an invitation for people to walk into wholeness and forgiveness and a fullness of life, Satan doesn't like that. So I can shut it down in certain ways. It becomes really important for the church to have a mouthpiece and to speak about stuff. Whatever you choose to do as people, it's totally up to you. It's like me. I get to choose how I want, what I want to do every day. So do each of us. So the thing about it is we're getting into the space. I want to speak today about purpose is liberated in truth. Purpose is liberated in truth. There is progressive thinking, and the whole idea behind progressive thinking is it's camouflaged and cloaked in this idea that you are so enlightened that you can move into a new space where you can put yourself on the throne of your life. You don't need God in that space. And in that place, you can give definition to what your life is going to be like and what it looks like. It is a move to move society beyond Let's actually not even say beyond. Let's say outside of Christian thinking, outside of Christ's invitation. Because when you move people to that place, you leave them at a place where they don't have access to redemption, to healing, to wholeness, to fullness of life. In this space, it's quite interesting to me, but there are two key focuses that really come into play with regularity. They deal on core individual issues. One relates to gender and one relates to what they call sexual orientation. And so I'm going to talk about the bigger picture of purpose and truth, but I'm going to lean in in that way and speak a little bit about some of that stuff because it really becomes important for us to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for things. And what God says is you can believe what you want all I'm presenting to you is truth. What you want to do with it is up to you. People have the prerogative of choice because God created them with free will. So you can choose it. Yeah. Nobody's f- forcing anything down your throat. Purpose is so much a part of what God is about. God doesn't do anything accidentally. God never woke up in the morning and said, How did that happen? It doesn't work like that with God. God is intentional in everything that he do. He knew the end before the beginning. He knew what was going to happen in that space. When God moved into a particular place, stuff happens in that place because God knew what was supposed to happen there. It was designed with purpose. God doesn't randomly do things. He doesn't randomly design people. He doesn't randomly introduce situations and circumstances. Everything in God's economy is driven by purpose. He is an intentional God. The intentionality is so important and such a fundamental part of who he is. But it's balanced by another side where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is so important because people can sit and say, I'm trying to introduce you to purpose. The thing with it is, can you trust what they're offering you? Truth becomes something which says not only were you created with, for a particular purpose, but I know what that purpose is. Not only do I know what it is, but I have the ability to be able to inform that purpose and to bring it about. So Jesus says, I am the truth. When Jesus says, I am the truth, it's, there is a powerful word in that. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> with the word Am. He didn't say, my words are truth. He didn't say, I'm going to introduce you to truth. He didn't say, my thinking is truth. He said, I am truth. What he was saying was this. I am the source of truth. Truth is part of my nature. That's who I am. And so every time you want to be introduced to truth, you will be introduced to an aspect of who God is. Because that's what he's all about. There are other things in the world that are truthful. There are some things that you can be exposed to, some thinking you can be exposed to, which is truthful. But it doesn't mean that it is truth. It's not the na- it's not necessarily its nature. God's nature is truth. He cannot separate himself from being the very source of truth. And because of that, it becomes important because what God is saying to us is this: I'm wanting for you to understand something. In your travels through life, you're going to pursue purpose. Because I created for every person to recognize the fact that they're not just a random creation. But I put them on the earth because they're here to fulfill a particular purpose for their life. They're going to recognize purpose in who they are. They're going to recognize purpose through chapters of their life. They're going to recognize purpose in marriage. They're going to recognize purpose in parenthood. They're going to recognize purpose in different aspects. And the thing is, truth is there to, first of all, introduce us to what that is. And secondly, to walk us into the fullness of what that's all about. When Jesus speaks about the fact that I am truth, what he's really saying to people is, I'm here to model what it is for how you should live. He's establishing something on the inside of us. He's establishing a principle that he wants us to walk into. If you have a look at John chapter 17, you've got it here somewhere. 17 verses 15 to 19. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me, just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. He's commissioned you to represent him. What he's saying is, I am truth. I am the source of truth. So what he's saying is, I'm commissioning you to represent truth. And then he says, make them. What does it say? Make them holy by your... It's, um, let me get the wording right. Make them holy by the truth. Holiness is wholeness and completion. What he's saying is, as you journey through life, you're going to come across different aspects and avenues of who you are. And every time something is introduced to you the invitation when it's outside of his will is to sit and say step into truth and step into wholeness in that space step into truth and step into completion in that place truth is always going to change who you are so that we begin to realize and we begin to walk into all that he has that is available to us Sometimes we just recog- we, we think about the fact that as born again believers, I'm so happy about the fact that I've got the life of God on the inside of me. But it goes beyond that. What he's saying is, when you got the life of God on the inside of you, you got truth inside of you. What he's saying to you is, the purpose for your life, the strategy for your life, and all the equipping for your life is established on the inside of you. It's sitting with you all the time. Stop looking out there for your purpose. Stop looking for what's happening out in that environment because the only way that you're going to discover what your purpose is and the only way that you're going to walk into it is by placing a demand on what's on the inside of you. Anytime you start trying to find your purpose and your identity in life outside of God, you're moving outside of truth and you're guessing. Anytime I'm guessing, I run the risk of making a bad choice what he's saying to us is, I love you. As a good father, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to install truth on the inside of you. And when you connect with truth, the very nature of truth is going to inform who you are. It's going to introduce you to newness. It's going to create dreams and vision for your life. And it's going to empower everything that you need to be able to walk into that. All of that is as a result of Christ on the inside of me. I was going to, hold on, let me read something else for that right now. Ephesians 2. Hold on, i got, see I've got notes. Ephesians 2 verse 10, I'm going to read it out of the Passion. We have become his poetry. Say I'm his poetry. I'm his poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One, truth, Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. He knew you before you were born, and he planned your life before you were born. And everything that you need to give definition to that life, to illuminate the path that you need to take, and to enable that life to take place is resident on the inside of you. It's in the life of Christ. So we find ourselves in a space which is interesting because... We have some different thinking going on out in the world right now. And so the church has to make a decision about what it is that they want to do. How do you want to tackle it? How do you want to deal with the situation? And part of the thinking is let's adopt a fortress mentality. So what we'll do is we'll take the church and we'll basically, we'll run off and we'll form a little um, exclusive uh, enclave up some mountain, somewhere and separate ourselves from the world. The challenge with that thinking is the fact that it just totally ignores the great commission of go into all the world. So I can't sit at a place where I'm sitting saying, fine, I'm happy to live in the world, but I'm not going to have any influence in that space. You have a commission. There is something that goes beyond your comfort level that says you are mandated to do something much larger. So it's important for us to recognize the fact that the world is not in a good place. Somehow you may be the answer. Somehow. But if we're going to do that, it becomes really important for us to begin to recognize how it is that we do it. Because God, once again, has a purpose and a plan for things. We end up in trouble... And both studies and history have proved that the minute a denomination embraces liberal theology, they've just signed their death warrant. It doesn't take very long before the people are gone. Why? Because people are looking for life. People don't need the church to reflect the world to them. I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for life. I'm looking for something more than where I am right now. I'm looking for salvation. I might not be able to articulate that way, articulate it that way, but that's what people are looking for. And so the church is at a place where it becomes really important for us to understand what we are to do and how we are to do it. And the suggestion I'm making is that we are to pivot from relevance to a strategy of influence. We are not to look like the world and embrace the world. The strategy of modeling what the world looks like and trying to outdo the world through relevance has seriously compromised our ability to minister to that environment. What have you got to offer when you look like me? What do you have to offer when you sound like me? What do you have to offer when the challenges and the issues of life are as pertinent to you and you have no solutions like me? It becomes really important. So we begin to look at that space and we begin to recognize the fact that God is using us or is wanting to use us to have influence in that space. If God's wanting us to have to use you as an influence, it means you have to be an influencer. You cannot be a random person. Influences comes from people who are influencers. What makes me an influencer? What I'm suggesting is that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for the place that you are. God has a plan for the people that you interact with on an ongoing basis. And if we can discover his plan, we can discover his purpose, and we can walk into the realization of that, we will walk into a space of influence in that world. So... Sarah and I, a little while ago, actually more than a little while ago, because was when our kids were in elementary school. The school that they went to, I've got to hurry along a little bit. The school that they went to, they had this, this thing where they used to have assembly once a week. And at the end of assembly, they would get them all together and they would say this little prayer thing, just innocent. It wasn't, you know, some heavy faith number. It was just an innocent little prayer. But it became a bone of contention in the school and it became a big issue because all of a sudden people started banding about the term inclusivity. Inclusivity. And what they said is, you know, we we think we should do away with this because the problem with it is not everybody's a Christian. Not only is everybody not a Christian, some people don't even believe in God. And so we want to create an environment where everybody feels welcome and everybody feels included. Now, I'm all about making people feel welcome, but I'm not a supporter of the idea of inclusivity because the strategy for inclusivity is based on a principle called compromise, You see, inclusivity says, I don't want you to be all that you're supposed to be. Because the problem with it is, you're different to me. And if you're different to me, it may be a hurdle at best or an offense at worst. I can't deal with a prayer in morning meeting. What compromise says is, I don't want you to do things that in any way alienate me. I want to create a neutral ground so that we can all feel as though we are one and we're all included. The challenge with the idea is it means that it takes us down to our most basic common denominator. Everything that defines you as who you were intended to be, has got to go. Mm -hmm. Everything that you believe, it's got to go because not everybody believes that. Every way that you want to live, it's got to go by the board. Because we're creating a harmonious situation that invites everybody in. And we don't want anything that's a barrier or anything that's offensive. So we start creating a society and we start creating a whole generation of people who are not walking into the understanding and the affirmation of who they are, but live from a place of compromise. Compromise? will never introduce you to your purpose. I'm all about making people feel welcome. But what I would propose is this. I think God has a much better strategy. You know what God's strategy is? God's strategy is this. Be the best you can be. And learn in that context the fact that you are running your own race. And in that space I recognize the fact that there are going to be So many people who are different to who I am Glory be Because you know what They have their own races You don't need to look like me You will not have the talents that I have And I won't have the talents that you have I won't have the abilities that you have And if I have them they may not be as developed As the ones that you have We are going to be completely different Because you have your race and I have my race And in that space, I come to the place that I recognize the fact that God is not just a manufacturing plant that kicks out people on a daily basis, but you were planned and he thought and he considered and you are carefully and wonderfully and miraculously made. He considered every aspect of you before he put you on the planet. And when he did that, he sat and said, you're here for purpose. I want you to recognize everything that you're supposed to be. And I want you to walk into that. And when we recognize the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, I begin to understand the fact that he has one for everybody else's life. What a wonderful world we could create if everybody realized the full enabling, the encouragement, the discovery of everything that was supposed to be an an attribute and a contribution to them walking into their purpose. We create a different kind of society when we move into that space. All of a sudden, we create a society that recognizes the fact that number one, I have purpose my focus is not on compromise my my focus is how do i fulfill my purpose on, yeah. my focus becomes i need to be the best that i can be in order to walk into all that he has given me on, Sub- success is not a subjective measure you don't get to decide whether you are successful or not you are successful if you fulfill purpose The challenge with it is this. We are starting to create a generation of people who find it difficult to actually deal with life. They don't have the resistance and they don't have the tenacity to deal with life because they've been raised in an artificial environment where we took away everything that may be different to everybody else because we didn't want you to feel in any way threatened. And the funny thing is, when you were regurgitated and spat out of the school system, you were spat into life. And life all of a sudden said, wham! And you were like, I can't deal with this. It's so hard. And it's so, I got work. And they expect me to be there at eight in the morning. And they want me to work for eight hours. And on top of it, I'm married and I got to go home and then I have my wife. And we've got one kid and our whole world is falling apart because there are two of us with one kid. <laughs> I know I'm making light of it a little bit. I'm just trying to make it a little bit more entertaining. The point that I'm making is this. <laughs> the principle remains the same. The problem with it is we can't deal with life. We can't deal with life pressures. And the thing about it is when life comes against you, I can tell you you're going to have to keep put some resistance up. You can't get knocked over and bowled over by every wind that comes along. So we raise people up. We raise people up. Why? Because I have a bigger consideration than just myself. I recognize the fact that society, like marriage, is not an entity in and of itself. It's made up of people. If you want to change a marriage, change the two people in it. You don't. magically wave a wand and marriage changes change the people if you want to change society change the people in it If you want a better and more productive and more successful society, if you want a more functional society, raise people who understand purpose and step into it. Raise people who identify with purpose. Raise people who are equipped to step into purpose. Raise a generation of people who sit and say, wherever the ceiling of society may be right now, we're pushing it up. That's a better place to go. compromise tries to get everybody feeling comfortable sorry inclusivity tries to get everybody feeling comfortable through compromise christ builds unity through love love says i recognize the bigger picture Love is not threatened by other things. Love isn't intimidated by the fact that you're not like me. Love is secure in who it is. Love is established in the fact that I've got my own race. I've got my own papers. Purpose. I've got my own enabling. I'm wonderful and I'm excited about yours, but if you'll excuse me a minute, I'm busy with my own. Yeah. It becomes important for us. My concern is we're raising a generation of people who don't understand the value of purpose. We're raising a generation of people who are in pursuit of what they're considering fulfillment, but we're not offering them truth as an option. We are concerned about the way society looks, and we're wanting to change government without addressing people. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. So God has purpose for everything. It's not just that he has purpose and a grand plan for your life. But every part of your life is there with intentionality. You never marry the person you did by accident. That was very quiet. (laughs) You never married them by accident. And you may not have even recognized purpose in that place, but maybe he did. Maybe he did. I want to begin to explore this in a little bit more detail. And one of the best places to go to begin to explore it is when we go and have a look at Genesis, the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and let us make man in our our image after our likeness. We've spoken about that so much. It's so fundamental. It's so important. It's so vital. Because what it says to us is this, when God created you, one of the things that he did is he breathed into man his life. He breathed into man his truth. And what he was saying was, when you replace and you begin to experience the truth of who I am, you're going to walk into dimensions of expansion and newness of who you are. You're going to walk into elements of healing and wholeness in terms of who you are. It's about him. Everything in life begins and ends in him. It's a choice. You don't have to do it. There are options available, but that's what God offers. You can step into it because when you embrace me and my life comes and takes up residence on the inside of you, what I'm saying to you is I'm inviting you to recognize the image that's on the inside. Come face to face with my nature. And when you discover my nature, you'll discover aspects of who I am. And every time you make a discovery about me, you've really made a discovery about you. Because you were called to image who he was. And you were called to live from that and reflect that likeness. You don't get to do that outside of who he is. It's who he is that empowers all of that. It's him that makes that happen. He's sitting saying to us, I want you to understand that in the grand equation of everything, I am the one who will introduce you to who you are. Before he starts getting down into the nitty gritty, he wants us to understand that. And it becomes an important principle because when we really do grab a hold of that, we'll begin to identify and understand the fact that not only does our purpose lie inside of us, but so does my identity. Who I am is resonant inside of me. And he's wanting to introduce that to me as I journey through life. Do you know, think about this, God spent... In creation, he spent five days creating your playground, one day creating you, and one day for rest. I think the place he put you in was quite important to him. It was quite important to him. He considered it long and hard, and he took five days to create what he said, this is the perfect environment for my ultimate creation. And he put you into he put man into the world. There is a side to some churches that are still wanting to move to a place where they are exclusive and removed from their environment there are, there is even even some thinking out there. That speaks about the fact that uh, as born-again believers, having the life of God on the inside of you, it's so important for you to get to that place where you move away and you move into your prayer closet. You move into that intimate space between you and God. And I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big proponent of it. I agree with it. But understand what you're going to get there. When you move into your prayer closet, you're going to have an introduction to who he is. It's a place where you get to communicate and interact with who he is. It's a place of discovery and a place of of moving into and, and, and playing with truth. But he didn't call you to live in your prayer closet. He spent five days creating a world for you to go out into. The world and your earthly journey is as important for everybody else as it is for you. And I'll tell you why. Because you don't know what's inside of you until a demand is placed on it. We think we're so spiritual and we so holy when we get into our sacred place and we get into our prayer closet and thank you, Lord, and shamatata. And we can hellfire and brimstone and we just pray that this galaxy into all... Everything is fabulous. Until one of your kids comes and knocks on the door and like, shut up, I'm praying. <laughs> Your prayer closet is an important place. And I'm not, I don't mean in, in this discussion to take away from that, but I want you to know something. There was a reason he said go. There was a reason he spent five days creating that space. And as you journey through that space, you're going to start discover some stuff about yourself that you didn't even know was there. You get on 66 and cuts you off. Somebody cuts you off and see what comes out of you. All spiritual stuff, right? Yeah, yes, what just happened? I had an encounter with something. And when I had an encounter with something, it touched a button in my life and something came out of me. What does that? I didn't even know that was in there. I didn't even know I knew those words. It just touched on something. What is it saying? It's saying you were born for purpose. The Holy Spirit is journeying through you, with you, through life. He's taking each step with you. And as he moves, He like, okay, Jesus, check this one. Watch, this is going to be a really good one. Watch this one. And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 I didn't hear that. Why is he showing you something? Because the purpose of everything is your purpose. He wants you to walk into the fullness of who you are. And the thing about it is, is we're not equipped to do that right now. You have the potential living on the inside of you, but it's when you step into that space and all of a sudden a demand is placed on you and something comes out of you, you sit and say, fine. And he said, do you want to make a withdrawal on what's on the inside of you? Would you like to place a demand on something that's invested on the inside of you that's of me? Oh, I'm leaving that church. I'm so offended. Where did that come from? I'm so spiritual. Can I really be naughty? Just don't tell anybody this, this is our secret, okay? I had somebody who left here, and you know why they left? Because they weren't recognized and they weren't made an elder. And I'm thinking, the very fact that we're possibly having this discussion kind of says you may not have the maturity levels to be in that position. What happens? I think I'm so spiritual and I think everything's so wonderful until I come face to face with something on the inside and I'm offended. And I want to run for my life. And the Holy Spirit says, where do you think you're going? You want to run or you want to deal with what's in the inside? Because I'm journeying through life, and all of a sudden, I find myself at a place where something happens, and Sarah does something, and I bark like you've never heard before. And this anger I know, Ruff, it shocked me too. This, This, and this, I was so angry. And it's just like, really? What did it touch? What did it touch that you had such a reaction to things? It's not about her, it's not about the situation, it's about you. The Holy Spirit says, I'm busy walking with you through life. Why? Because you've got purpose. And you can't take that where you need to go. And that's not going to open doors of opportunity for you where you need to go. I'm inviting you to deal with that stuff. I'm inviting you to recognize that everything that you need is on the inside of you. Place a demand on it. Place a demand on it. You were created in his image and in his likeness. Everything is to be found in him. But you know what the thing is? He didn't stop there. He went on. And he says, Genesis chapter 2, it's not good that man should be alone. Let me create a helpmeet for him. It's not good or beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him. Nudge your wife and say, you're you're the balance in my life. You are the counterpart who is suitable and complimentary to me. So now God says, okay, I want to introduce you just to another option. You can choose whatever you want to do you have options but this is my option you are created with purpose and part of your purpose is to be found in your gender we are so funny because we're so natural and we're so touchy-feely so it's very easy for us because you see when god created man he created man Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is an exclusive place reserved for him. And he puts spirit inside something called a body. Do you know what? This might be one of the deepest revelations of the morning. Physically, men and women are different. <laughs> Physically, we're different. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. It means we're different. We're complementary to one another. We're designed to work together. It doesn't make one more valuable than the other. What it says is both of us need to realize the full potential of what it means to be a man and to be a woman. And in that space, what ends up happening is the more I walk into the fullness of who I am in my gender, the more I'm able to complement who you are the more I'm able to compliment who you are. The problem with it is, if I can't accept my body, I end up as a house divided. I can't take an aspect of who I am, spirit, soul, or body, and reject it without introducing to myself division. I can't divorce myself from an aspect of who I am. Now, progressive thinking says it's okay to do that. Progressive thinking says, you know what? You feel that way, so it's okay. It's an option. God's invitation is this. I never made a mistake. I created you exactly as you were supposed to be. And I understand in life, people have challenges. Some people struggle with depression. Some people struggle with rejection. Some people struggle with affirmation. Some people struggle with certainty. What's it called? Confidence. Everybody has something or a number of things that they're struggling with. And perhaps struggle in your life might be the fact that I'm struggling to accept my body. What he says to us is this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. What he's saying is, if you will come to me, I will give you what you need. I will change your thinking. I will change your feeling so that you can embrace yourself. Just an option. The challenge with it is this. I can try and change my body all I want. But as it, at its essence, those chromosomes are going to stay the same. I can try and mutate it. I can try and put barriers up. I can try and change whatever I want. But the chromosomes keep coming. It's more than something which is just about body. The thing is, we just look at body and we sit and say, okay, well, that's what it is. But what I'm proposing to you today is this, that it's more fundamental. Because the thing about it is when God said, let me create male and female. And let them be complimentary. He wasn't just talking physiology. He was talking psychology. You are different as a man and different as a woman in terms of the way that you process things in your life. In your internal world is what I'm talking about. It's not bad. It just is what it is. Women have a tendency to be far more maternal than men. There's a maternal instinct to them. Men are like, kids are nice, let's move on. (laughs) Women have to run up to anybody who's got a baby in the grocery store, and how old is your baby, and it's so lovely, and is it a boy or a girl? Where was it born? And and boys are like, we got shopping to do, let's go. (laughs) Because we're different. We're different. Women are nesters. When, when they're getting ready to, to start a family, women want to be established. They want a place. It's not just about a house, it's about a home. Because this is a place where we're going to have our, our kids, our young ones. And so they start getting it ready. Men just want a roof over their head. It's fine. We're just different. I was reading an interesting survey and it was talking about how men and women process um, challenges sometimes, and they gave them this word problem to do. And when they had a look at their brains, brains, what they discovered was men use almost exclusively the left-hand side of their brain, women use both, which is different, left and right. But we're complimentary because the thing about it is I look at a situation and it's like this is so cut and dry and it's so easy. Bang, bang, bang. And Sarah looks at it and she says, but did you consider this? I was like, what? (laughs) Because the thing about it is she's more balanced in her approach and she brings the emotional component into things. And women, as a result of being emotional, have what we call a sixth sense. They pick up on stuff that men blind to everything. And women are like, did you not pick that up? It's like, what? (laughs) So what they discovered was men, when they fail at something, what ends up happening is they always blame the environment. But when they excel, they take the credit. (laughs) Women have a tendency... When they excel, to blame the environment. And when they fail, blame themselves. Just differences. The point that I'm making is this. You see, when you were born, God gave you everything that you needed in your physiology to be the fullness that you are today. You had little toes, and you had little fingers, and a little nose, and little ears, and you had a little body. But over time, what ended up happening was you ate, and you grew, and you exercised, and you did stuff, and now look at you today. <laughs> but it wasn't the case that you were suddenly born, and you know what? There's a head. There you go. But he's three now. He's just popped out his first arm. <laughs> you had everything, but it grew and developed over time. What I'm proposing to you is this. It's the same in your psychology as a male and a female. God built into you everything that you needed to walk into the fullness of that identity. The challenge with it is this none of us were raised in perfect environments. So, what ended up happening was, as a result of that and other conditions, there were elements to who people were that remained in its infancy. It wasn't nurtured, it wasn't developed. There are, there's potential to people that's embryonic. But the problem with it is we know that we need that to walk into the fullness of who I am as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a man, as a husband, as a father. I recognize those things. So what ends up happening is when they're undeveloped, I'm unfulfilled. And when I'm unfulfilled, what ends up happening is it starts to create on the inside of me a longing or a desire to try and find fulfillment. And when I have that longing, it, cr- it translates into something we call feelings. <laughs> and unless we're at a place where we have relationship with him and he can bring in healing and wholeness and completion in that space, what will happen is my feelings and my desires can lead me in all kinds of avenues outside of God. That's why living by your feelings is so dangerous. That's why Jesus says, I am truth. You can take comfort in me. I am truth. You can build your house on this rock. I am truth. You can know that if you get established in that, what it'll do is it'll put you in a place where you can be secure. Oh, good grief, it's late. Um, Genesis chapter 1 and verse... Where was I? Genesis 1 verse 28. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. He's getting into a definition of marriage. Marriage is there for purpose. It's not just some random union. It's there with purpose. Purpose. Be fruitful and multiply. When God created, everything that was created and took form was not the first time God saw it. God saw it inside of him before it ever came out the side, before it was ever given natural form. It's a principle that he's calling us to live by. It's called the journey of faith. What he's saying is everything that you need to be whole and complete in yourself is within you. It may not have taken form right now, but it's there. Everything that you need to fulfill your journey of purpose is on the inside of you. You may not see it right now. It's sitting on there. The invitation is to sit and say, call those things that be not as though they are. The life that God has put on the inside of you, the life that Christ died to give you is resident on the inside of you. And everything that you need and the fullness that you're looking for, the wholeness and the fulfillment and the completion, everything is within him. And what he's saying is if you can immerse yourself in that world, you'll begin to call those things that be not as though they were. You will walk into the fullness of who you were designed to be. When God did creation, he did a couple of things. Not only did he create, but he also moved to a place of separation. In ordering everything. And so what did he do? He separated light and darkness. The waters and the dry land. He he did a process of separation. When he created man and woman, he did the same thing. There was separateness that came to it. And the word that's used in the original Hebrew speaks about being ordered. Of God there was intention behind it the thing about it is this it moved to a place where the way the way that God designed it was so that in that space when those two that were separate became one life would be given form it was when the two became one that family could be realized There was purpose behind God bringing union between man and woman. The problem with it is when we want to take family as a context and we want to change the definition of what that looks like, what is compromised and what ceases to exist is life. You can't create life. You can wear the badge. You can say we're a family, but you can't create life. You can't fulfill the purpose of what it was created for. You can live in that. It's not a criticism. Do whatever you'd like to do. I'm just sitting saying, God has purpose behind everything. And when we, when we want to run off and do things outside of that, it doesn't always work out the way we imagined. And very often what we, we begin to understand is that we really don't get to step into the full potential and purpose of what that's designed for. We have a wonderful opportunity. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Share it around. Go out into all the world and do some stuff. Find out what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Don't put your life in suspension and don't put your life on hold because I'm waiting for the grand revelation and great moment. If he asks you to do something really simple, which is usually how he works in my life, probably because I'm a simple person. The thing about it is go and do it Come on. what you're going to discover as you journey through life remember this i'll never leave you nor forsake you and everything that you walk through everything that you encounter every step that you take they're going to be aspects to your journey they're going to be different to everybody else's celebrate the fact that you have your own purpose that he made you the way that you are but in that space Be comfortable and confident enough to celebrate the goodness and the God in everybody else. We're in the process of creating a better world. And the better world is made up of better citizens. Better being defined by the life of God on the inside of them. There is a grand calling to our life. Experience it, live it, recognize today that you are not an accident, but that you are a purpose waiting to happen. My encouragement to you this week is this at a practical level, go and ask the Holy Spirit, What is my purpose in where I am right now? What is my purpose in my job? What is my purpose? As a parent, what is my purpose as a husband or a wife? What is my purpose? And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to make changes in me so I can raise the bar in those spaces. I thank you, Father, for purpose in every life here. I thank you for the purpose that is resident on the inside of them. I thank you for the life of God that is in there. I thank you that it just touches every person from the very core. I pray, Father, that you just move to a place In each person's life, will you begin to introduce them to the fullness of who you are and what you're all about? That you give them the opportunity to step into who you've created them to be. I thank you for invitations, Holy Spirit, as we move through life this week. I thank you that you're creating influences for influence. We bless you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.